I'm your host, Joshua Howard. Welcome to Cyber Latte, Sipping on Tech Trends with GoPanda, your go-to podcast for a flavorful blend of technology insights, discussion, and the latest buzz in the digital world. I'm here with my guest, Dominique Howard, uh, and we're going to you know, just kind of jump right into things. So, Dominique. Yeah, I'm here, excited and happy to be here. <laughs> so, Dominique, to the, to the people who are listening, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in technology? Sure. And I, I feel in, in, in America is one of the fun, funnest company, uh, countries to, to, to discuss this question because the first thing that we usually mention when we're talking about ourselves is our career. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the things that lends to our skills. So uh, my, my background generally is just um, IT project management. I have a very diverse background in technology. Um, I usually like to start in IT support and then move into IT project management and management positions. Um, I've been doing that with the last, I want to say, three or four companies that I've worked with. Um, I was a consultant for a very long time, uh, for approximately seven to ten years, and then moved into the uh, fintech startup space and started working with uh, various startup companies. I'm gonna say that's great, and I'm, and I'm sure you've met a lot of cool and interesting people along the way, and contributed to a lot of interesting missions. But um, I have, I definitely have. Uh, one of the things that I'm actually really excited about when it comes to the fintech uh, startup space is that a lot of the companies, because they're still pretty small, you get a chance to kind of meet the, uh, you know, the higher level people, the C level positions, and talk to them one on one. Um, you can kind of have those intimate relationships to. Uh, have a better effect on change within management and and having those direct conversations can sometimes speed up the progress and the process of certain um i want to say it implementation procedures so you know to the people who are just getting started in their career with technology i guess what's some advice um or or some things that they should focus on you know when when trying to find a job in, in technology or you know, just looking where they can get started, period. Um, what's some advice that you would give them? Um, I think everybody's journey is different. I, I often get asked this question about where they think they should start. Um, one of the things that I usually ask people, and this is different, like I said, for everyone, is if you know what area of tech you want to be in, then it's kind of a little bit different in terms of like, I usually recommend jumping headfirst into those spaces and doing either an internship or uh, seeing if you can uh, do certain networking events in those particular spaces. So if you know that you want to be in cybersecurity, definitely do like a cybersecurity internship or network at, uh, you know, security conferences. Um, however, if you are more of an IT generalist and you're not really sure where you want to be in the space, one of the biggest things that I usually recommend to people is to kind of be uh, an, you know, an independent consultant and just... Um, kind of like a gig jumper. And I usually feel like those gig jobs are a really good way to kind of assess what it is that you may or may not want to do in in the tech space. Um, another reason why I usually recommend for people to start in IT support is it's a good way for me to kind of assess where the general company issues are. It'll give you a feel for if you know you're a people person, um, if you're a problem solver, that's kind of where you're going to want to be. 
if you are more of a I'm going to keep to myself type of person and I don't really like peopling on a regular basis, then, you know, software, uh, you know, software is going to be more your game, right? Software, data analytics, kind of where you don't necessarily have to deal with people. You're dealing more with the data uh, aspect of things. So I guess just like, my bad, but I guess just that, I guess just like identify your passion and, and you know, what you're good at. Yeah, I usually say that's like one of the first steps. In my particular instance, I wasn't really clear what area of IT I wanted to be in. Uh, it, it really ended up being a very diverse uh, work history. But one of the biggest things, like I said, that I did learn is I like rooting out the problems, recurring problems that may come up and be burdensome for a company's customers or even uh, company's internal staff, right? And then once you have in, in IT support, you can kind of see the recurring issues that keep cropping up and causing those issues and a drain on resources, then you can kind of put together a solution to move toward, okay, this needs to become a bigger project. And that's how I usually um, move from IT support into project management. Honestly, it's a pretty awesome transition that you're going to make there. I mean, so how, do you, how did you get, you know, the, the skills that you need to be able to, you know, support these people, support these businesses, um, and, and deliver on projects like, like, what did you do to acquire the necessary skills? I mean, obviously you acquire skills over time with you know, work experience and, and as you meet more people in your network, you guys have these conversations about things that you guys have done and, and implemented. But when you were, when you were first getting started, you know, where did you find, like, what did you use as an education resource and, and, and where did you find it? Well, one of the, the first tools that I had in my tool belt was I, I, you know, went to a, a vocational school. Uh, it was one of the um, the free programs that we have in in New York. Uh, there are a few of them. Europe, if you already know that you want to be a project manager, um, for those who are specifically just determined to go into the IT space, um, Perscolis is the one that I did. And Perscolis does have a vast majority of IT uh, courses. The one that I ended up taking was uh, network engineering. And I was really excited about starting out in the network engineering space. A lot of people were like, that's a more difficult task than just general IT support. And I couldn't understand why they were saying that. But uh, basically getting your certifications, one of the biggest things is like the baseline is A plus, right? So you have your A plus certification. Um, then you have your your network plus certification to kind of say, you know, the network aspects of things. And since everything is online, um, everything is cloud based, everything is is online. Network was kind of like that step up from the hardware, software basics type of situation. Um, so I did end up getting my net plus certification and that was kind of my foot in the door. Certifications are usually a good way to get in your foot in the door in IT. And I, and I think that that's also another thing worth mentioning is IT is a great field because you don't need a formal education. You don't need to go to college and, you know, spend 60 to a hundred grand over four years just to get a degree. <laughs> you know, you can, you know, get, get some certificates online, um, you know, pay like a couple hundred bucks and 
you know, begin to sell yourself as, as somebody who's knowledgeable in, in these areas. Um, and, and I think that that's like a, a amazing opportunity for people who don't come from, you know, the best social economic background, um, is, is that they don't need a formal education to be able to become successful in a career in IT. Correct. I, I usually also recommend people, and I think this is one of the biggest things that people are failing when it comes to the experience portion of things, right? Like they are thinking that formal job experience constitutes as the only experience that they can or need to have. Um, and I usually say, like I said, like internships, volunteer work, um, things like that afford you the ability to be able to put things on your resume and also to have what's called like transferable skills, right? Like I didn't start in the tech industry, but I had prior experience um, in other areas, like in administration. And so it was kind of like, well, why are you hopping from administration to IT? Those are two completely different fields. But the point is, how do those those skills that you acquired from your previous experiences transfer into what you're going to be doing in IT? If you are coming from a hospitality environment, well, if you're going into IT support, then you know how to talk to people and you have been hospitable with people managing and, uh, you know, customer resolutions. You understand that people are going to get frustrated and angry, um, you know, because they're they're like, something's not working and I need you to fix it. But knowing how to transfer those things from your previous experiences, even if you don't think they're related um, into the new space. So having the certifications and then having previous experience, even if it isn't necessarily in the tech space, but finding a way to bridge those two. Honestly, I think that my biggest issue with with doing that has been networking and finding the people, like like just just people, right? Where I work, where we can bring the resources together and solve a, an issue. So like. With that being said, I think having a powerful network will also attribute to that. So, you know, Dominic, I know that you've, you know, been in, in the tech game now for damn near a decade. <laughs> How yeah. have you been able to network in the tech field? Like, like, you know, is there any specific place where, you know, you can find events, you can, you know, meet people, like, like schedule the calls. I mean, like, you know, obviously work events and, and you know, lunch and learns. There are really tons of tech events. I mean, literally, if you Google tech events, they're gonna you're gonna have tons of stuff that comes up. You can look on Eventbrite and find uh, tech social events, uh, women in tech events for those who are of the you know the the female demographic. Um, you even have like you know minority in tech events. So it's not like there aren't tons of networking and social events that you can find. There are even virtual events that you can find if you don't, you know, want to go in person. Um, one of the biggest things that I probably will say kind of helped catapult my my tr my my trajectory in tech was networking and socialization, but more making sure that you're not burning bridges and that you are not necessarily excluding anyone because you don't think you know how to work with them. You're going to encounter a lot of different personalities in the tech space um, that you may not necessarily know how to, how to function with, but find a workaround and find a way to still be 
you know, keep that person included in your network. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when I was in still in, you know, my my tech classes and my tech courses, there was one particular person who he wasn't exactly very popular with anybody in the class and nobody really knew how to work with him or talk to him. And I still kept a really open mind and making sure that I kept connected. He decided to kind of leave the class a little bit prematurely. Um, but it was really interesting because he decided to step into the tech space as a consultant. He was, uh, he was basically doing gig jobs. Uh, he had created his own company, his own IT company, and was doing gig jobs. And he needed an assist. And because a lot of people were not comfortable working with him or didn't know how to work with him, he had called me. And the reason why he called me is because he was like, look, I know your work ethic and I know that we can work together. You are willing to try to work with me. He goes, I know I'm difficult, but you are willing to try to work with me. And some people are more or less likely to just kind of disregard a person that they're like, I'm not even going to try to work with this person. They're too difficult. Um, I'm urging people to try to get out of their way and find a way around that because he actually brought me on board for several of his projects and he was one of the people who helped me establish my you know my experience even in the gig world uh, where it built up my resume with experience and then helped me land my first client actually uh, my first solo client where I had a steady you know a steady job so it's 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 not just about networking with the people that you think you're only comfortable with. It's about getting into the discomfort of a lot of different things, uh, conversations with people that you're like, oh, this person is weird. There are a lot of weird people <laughs> that are also influential people. So get get comfortable being uncomfortable and having those uncomfortable conversations with people that you don't necessarily exclusively relate to. Um, yeah, it's it's about getting out of your comfort zone. Definitely. So I think to sum up, you know, people who are looking into to getting into technology, they really just need to, one, identify what it is that you want to do in technology because it is a very broad field, right? And then, and once you've identified what it is that you want to do in technology, go and learn about it, you know, go get certified, um, you know, go network and, and meet people who have the position in the job that you want and asking questions. And, and like she said, get uncomfortable. Um, you know, the, the only way that you can grow is through discomfort. All right. Um, and, and I, and I think that once you've done that, you will feel so confident to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk of technology where it'll just flow effortlessly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, you know, you and I can both say that, that we kind of gotten to that point where we can talk the talk and walk the walk with technology and it, it just kind of flows. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, and then stay informed, network, you know, develop those soft skills, you know, like Dominique was saying, where learn to work with people who most people don't necessarily want to work with, um, or, or they have a difficult time working with them. Um, and, and, a, and a great way to, you know, continue to network and, and find those people is, you know, online, right? Like you were saying with the with events, Eventbrite, um, and, and just reaching out. And, and honestly, I think that there's so much opportunity out there. You know, technology is changing every day. And because it is changing every day, it's a new opportunity for somebody to, to learn something new 
implement a new solution for our business. Um, now, carrying on, having a career in technology is great because it is an ever-changing, you know, industry. But Dominique, what are some of the things that you're seeing, you know, right now that are shaping the industry? I mean, like recently we've got AI with ChatGPT, we've got blockchain, cybersecurity, quantum computers, you know, uh, what is it? augmented reality and, and virtual reality. So like, which of these technologies do you see right now shaping the industry the most? Um, and, and what do you think is, is going to have the biggest impact in, in the long term? So far, I think it's AI. Um, a lot of people are really nervous about that, but a lot of people are also really excited about it. Um, AI has kind of made an impact on a lot of people's positions and a lot of people's jobs, um, including their day-to-day. -day. AI is kind of it's integrated into a lot of different facets. It's not even just like, you know, uh, I want to say my first introduction to AI was email generation. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, this is helping me write an email a whole lot faster. I just put in the summary points and boom, out pops the most perfect, sweetest email. It didn't even technically sound like me. It sounded like a very, very, very sweet version of me, very nice version of me and not as direct. But I was like, you know what? It's it's probably for the best that it it is still very, you know, very cordial. Let's be honest. Uh, it's not replacing human intelligence anytime soon. Exactly. So it's like one thing that I can say is, uh, you know, about even even down to that simple facet of AI with email generation is um, it's not very good at tone detection when it comes to who they're receiving the email from. Um, or it'll look at the last email that was received and not necessarily the entire email thread. So you're talking about um, if you are dealing with a customer or a client who is usually very used to getting a succinct version of the message that they need to receive, AI is not necessarily the best for that. Like you have to type in maybe a few different prompts in order to get it to that point. Make this succinct but cordial. Make this direct. But, you know, um, so there are certain things that that AI still won't necessarily grasp. Um, tone and cadence is one of those. Um, humans have their moments where they're a little bit better at interpreting that. Um, so AI, I think, is shaping a lot of different things from calendar integration to automatically sending out certain um, certain automations uh, or even building certain automations. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of different facets that AI touches. Too many to get into on this call, but either way... AI is probably one of the most explosive technologies. Now, here's the thing. Um, I am going to kind of say this. I think when you have a big boom in a new technology, it's usually a rush for other companies to try to figure out how they're going to implement this. And sometimes they're rushing too fast to try to implement it. That The, the, the thought process of how to implement this or what it's going to be used for isn't really solid and thought through. They just want to hop on the technology. <laughs> Um, and that's great to, to be excited and enthused about it, but they won't necessarily have the full scope of understanding of that technology and how it's actually going to help um, or be used. Why I'm saying this is because I think it's still, even though those technologies are out there and it's great to keep an open mind about them, understand that some of these companies are still being run. Most of these companies, the bigger ones specifically, are still being run by a lot of older people who are scared of making those newer changes or not sure how to make those newer changes. So I still want to say this to any of the the tech people who are out there. Um, 
if you're just getting into it, still make sure that you have your fundamentals down. Because um, there are still companies that are out there running on Windows 10 or Windows 8. <laughs> oh, shoot, Windows 7. <laughs> Windows 7, exactly. So, yeah, there are still companies that are running on some of, like, the really old Linux systems. So just make sure that you still understand your fundamentals because... You might be thinking, oh, yeah, this is a very big company and they've got to be, you know, tech forward and you'll be in for a really big surprise um, thinking that this is going to be an AI driven company. And it's actually like, you know, a whole bunch of really old IBMs or, or HP computers um, or Lenovo computers that, you know, haven't really been updated in a while. So, um Still make sure that you understand the fundamentals. Keep your mind in the in the newer spaces and keep your eye on on what's happening in them. Um, learn as much as you can about them, but that's only going to help you for when they get implemented unless you have an idea. Um, that's the only time that I would say really hop into that space heavily. Honestly, I, I would say that most businesses don't even realize it, but they are already you. AI in some shape or form. I mean, you know, when, when we're talking cybersecurity, like theme solutions, a lot of those, like like Microsoft Sentinel, are AI powered. Like it's it's using artificial intelligence to detect these vulnerabilities and these you know, entries. Um, so so a lot of times organizations are already using AI. They just don't realize it or haven't realized it yet. Um, so it's, it's here. Like, it's not something that's coming already. It's definitely being used. But I want to say a lot of the companies that are usually using it and implementing it at such a, a fast speed is the companies who are pretty much in the, in the process of already developing it, like they've already been developing it, and they knew in what aspects they wanted to utilize this particular piece of technology. So, like, you know, like I said, with um, email generation or helping with scheduling or... Um, you know, even with the security detection, like you said, a lot of those companies had already started building out their own uh, learning algorithms and, and knew what they wanted to teach their 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 AI. Um, but in general, I want to say like just general bigger companies that are just, you know, dealing with the day to day stuff, unless they are tech companies, they're not looking for a way to introduce AI Honestly, like, I... unless they are of the SaaS persuasion or the infrastructure as a service persuasion I don't think they are thinking about how they can really incorporate this on a day-to-day <laughs> and and, I, and it's funny that you say that because I think that a lot of you know employees are kind of worried like oh is a, is a robot gonna take my job and no, uh, I, I can honestly say no. A robot right now is not coming to take your job. It's it's just not. It, it just doesn't have sense like humans do. <laughs> it's it's not perfect. Um, nowhere nowhere close. Um, there's still there's still some fine tuning. Could it get there? Sure. I mean, I don't I don't think that. I don't think that there's there's no chance that it could get there, but right now it's it's not really close to where, where people are worried about it uh, completely replacing them altogether. I'm like, mm, I don't see that happening. 
So, did you know that the OpenAI ended up basically launching a, a an app store kind of like it's like a for G okay so they call them GPTs right so like basically you can kind of pre-train the the language model like with with a few different prompts where you say oh um like make me a chef that will recommend me a recipe right uh and then like now the AI will just focus itself on you know making recipes with the ingredients that you like so I don't know. What do you what do you what are your thoughts on on the the GPT store that, a, that OpenAI launched? I mean, and and also this supposedly they're supposed to make it where people are going to be able to monetize and make money off of the GPTs that they create, which which is kind of cool. That's cool. Um, and my mind passive income for some people, like I said, some people already have ideas on what they want to do with AI. And then there are some people that don't have a clue what they want to do other than what they're seeing other people do. So for those who so have... what do you want to use AI for? I don't really want to use AI for anything. <laughs> I love the opinion, the more you put into it, the more you get out. And sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing. So... I don't really want to use AI for anything. Um, I think that that's kind of a really good way. Having having a I, as much as I work in technology, having a piece of technology pretty much do as many different tasks for me as possible will just make me lazy, and that's not exactly a productive way to go about things. Um, I'm all for leveraging time and energy, but I still need to be able to to look back and go, okay, can I still do this skill myself? And I think if too many people become reliant on doing it, like it just furthers de-evolution. And that's really not, that's not my, my frame of mind right now. I like to keep some sense about myself. Honestly, I've been using it as like a, a personalized, like learning system. So like, if there's something that I don't know, I'll ask like, you know, co-pilot or chat GPT and I'll be like, Hey, um, you know, what's, what's a solution for this or, or this, and then like, it'll, it'll spit back some, some recommended solutions from the web. Um, or, you know, I'll, I'll learn about geography. Like, like you can, you can literally use AI to, to learn anything. It's like a, like AI powered search is so powerful and so useful. It's like, it just puts so much information at your fingertips because now you don't need to look for specific keywords uh you know it'll it'll be intelligent enough to understand the context a little bit behind what you're talking about which is really nice i don't know i have i have kind of the opposite experience with ai um really? when it comes to search or like i said just generally generating things i end up having to do a lot more work to edit than than anything else or having to do my own research so i just kind of get to the point where i'm like all right at least i know that i can do this um so I'm not really too reliant on AI databases or in general. It's like, yay, you know, this is what you're good for. Help me write this email. Um, Honestly, like, even coding. I, I think even coding, like one time I ended up asking AI, I was like, hey, write me a, you know, a Python script that does this. Write me a PowerShell script that does this. And it was able to spit back a pretty good 
script. I mean, like there was some slight debugging that needed to be done, but it, it worked. <laughs> so like, honestly, go AI. <laughs> like, okay. Ima imagine like a future where we take artificial intelligence, quantum computers, and virtual reality, right? And we have AI write us quantum algorithms and, and, and code for quantum computers. So this way we can like simulate a virtual reality that's, you know, accurate to ours and like, and like we would be able to study it and, and gain an even deeper understanding of our own world through, you know, quantum computers and artificial intelligence. <laughs> that would be tough. That's kind of what I see like the future going towards. I don't know. That might be scary for some people though. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, we won't know until we see how things frame out, right? Very true. Very true. So, okay. What about, you know, you, you personally, right? So what have you got going on right now that, you know, projects or, or anything like that? A lot of my stuff that's going on right now is more personal than anything else. Um, I kind of took a step back from a lot of my tech projects. Not that they weren't complicated, um, but I felt like my personal stuff was getting a little bit more complicated and needed a little bit more attention. Um, I mean, I recently left uh, a position where the position, you know, kind of, was that one of those fintech companies and do not get me wrong they are uh they are very small so like you end up being put in a lot of different uh positions where you can do a lot of different things and gain new skills and and that's really cool um but the one thing that i i really stress is that i didn't have a very good work-life balance and so i put that in perspective like you need life to have work-life balance and there are things falling by the wayside um so i got put into one of those roles that you know some of the smaller companies don't necessarily have but they definitely needed to fill that void um and it was very grueling it was me building an entire process and team and department from scratch so you know, having gone through that yourself, what are some things that you can recommend to, to other people? You know, cause, cause technology isn't a, isn't a nine to five, you know, it's, it's kind of a 24 seven kind of job. And, and not a lot of people I think are prepared for that. Where like, sometimes you will get called at 3am and have to get up and, and respond to a major incident. So it'll, that's where it goes into the area of tech that you're in. And so it heavily depends on the area of tech that you're in. Um, if you are in, you know, on one of the emergency response teams, yeah, you're on call 24 hours a day. Don't think anything different. You're on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So don't think anything different. Um, IT operations, same thing. IT support is hit or miss. Like there are times where I want to say if if the shifts are arranged correctly then you have people who do not need to necessarily be on um on call 24 7 but some IT support teams they may necessarily only have set hours and 
in the event that a high level incident occurs, you kind of have to keep a lookout for it and you have to be the one to um, work with the incident response teams to, to, to send out those emails to customers um, and, and help resolve those issues on the spot. Um, but it really depends on the area of IT that you're in um, or the, the, the tech area in general that you're in. Because some, they can, they can maintain those, you know, nine to five hours and it won't necessarily be, um, I have to look at my phone and my computer every five to 10 minutes to make sure everything's all good. Um, but for those of you who aren't sure what you want to do in tech and you are looking at the IT generalist, um, aspect of things, do not bank on having the healthiest work-life balance unless you are in a company that specifically prioritizes that and unless you have a manager within a company like that that specifically prioritizes that. Um, otherwise, you're not going to have a very healthy work-life balance at all. Honestly, I, I think that I've kind of gotten a bit good at it where, where I've, I've kind of I've set boundaries right so like I, I think that if if you want to have a healthy work-life balance it's important to set boundaries with with your managers and, and your your superiors um you know because if you, if you don't set boundaries you're going to constantly be stressing yourself out trying to appease you know other people when you know it's really important that you you know take that personal time and you know, self-care and, and take breaks. <laughs> um, and, and also understand that your time is valuable. You know, if, if you've invested, you know, all of these years learning a skill and, and mastering a skill and becoming very good at technology, it's important that you prioritize your tasks and, and only pay attention to the things which have a high priority or high importance, um, or are time sensitive. You know, and, and everything else, you just kind of have to find a, a way to delegate it to something else or someone else, in, in my opinion. So this way you can, you can focus on the, the highest value, you know, task and, and, and priorities. But that's just my opinion. Um, no, I mean, you're absolutely right about that. Another aspect that kind of contributes to having some form of work-life balance is making sure that the people that you're working with are, I mean, you can't fully control this, but making sure that they're confident enough to survive without you is basically um, one facet of it. Because if you know that they may have complications and you're the only one who can fix those complications, then yeah, they're going to call you on a day off and ask you to come help. Or, you know, even if it's time off and you're they're not bothering you you might have to come back and kind of clean up the messes that they weren't able to actually fix so um i want to say like do not necessarily gatekeep certain certain things that you're learning um that your coworkers that are directly on your team can use because then they're just going to keep calling you for that one particular thing that they think oh we can't do this but this person can do this really really well so having people who also know what they're doing uh, on the same team as you to pick up and uh, not necessarily pick up the slack, but to, to pick up where you left off seamlessly. 
And I think that you did touch on a key point where you want to make sure that you, you're surrounding yourself with good people. So, you know, when you're interviewing for these roles, I think that just as much as they're interviewing you and, and trying to get to know you, I think that you should be doing the same, trying to get to know the team, trying to get to know the company, you know, because honestly, you're making a commitment. So you need to be comfortable with them just as they'll be comfortable with you. You know, you need to see if you like them just as much as they need to see if, if they like you. And I think that it's important to keep that in mind, you know, when, when interviewing for, for roles, any role in, in any career for a hero. <laughs> keeping, yeah, I mean, keeping that, that aspect in mind, it's, you're, you're dedicating so much time and energy to a job. It's basically, it's basically like a marriage. Like you said, it's a commitment. Um, and you have to make sure never never operate from a place of desperation so i mean if, if that tends to be the situation um then use it as a stepping stone but never operate to to, to find a position that you actually need to be in from a place of de desperation um and even if you are actually desperate never let them see that uh because then it's like okay i can take advantage of this person and offer them the lowest of the, the salary range or, you know, offer them lower equity, um, never operate from a place of desperation because companies are going to use that. That's, that's their bottom line is important to them. <laughs> um, and make sure that you, you are looking for a place that has, ticks all of the boxes for you. Um, talk to the people who work there, um, about the existing culture that, that exists in that company. Um, how long they've been there. If you see that a company has a high high attrition, then it's probably for a reason, right? And usually it's it's culture. If you see that it's only happening on one team versus another, um, then you might want to make sure you're not necessarily part of the tree the team that has the highest attrition. Um, keep an eye out for like you know the things that are are red flags. Even in a relationship, you have red flags, right? Um, your job is is a relationship that you have a relationship with them um make sure that you are taking note if there are any potential red flags and and go this is not this may not be the place for me um even though they're 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 showing this particular side of them this may not necessarily be the place for me um making yeah making sure that you're putting yourself as a priority even when you're choosing these companies Now, I think that it's always good to look at it, the reversal, right? Put yourself in, in the company's shoes, right? What, be, be a candidate that the company wants to hire, right? You know, so, so Dominic, so what are some things that you can say that, that companies look for, you know, when they're looking for a good candidate to hire? really couldn't say definitively because I'm not in recruiting. Um, That's fair. But you know technology. On, I mean, it depends on the space. It depends on um, it depends on the, the position. It depends on what you're doing. If you're looking at a management position, um, that's going to be vast, vastly different than um, if you're looking at, you know, something that's more uh, like 
single contributor role. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it depends. Because um, some people think that it's about having a whole bunch of experience and a string of 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 jobs back to back, and that's great. Other people are looking for somebody who's been there for you know five years at a position or ten years at a company. It's like, okay, that's great. But not everyone is looking for the same thing. So I can't say definitively what it is that one particular company might be looking at um, or looking for in a candidate. I'm going to say that, you know, typically I'm a little bit more open-minded when I'm working with someone. People can be taught uh, certain hard skills, but in terms of like soft skills, that's a lot harder to teach. Yeah. Make sure that you are personable and make sure that you are teachable and coachable and open. Um, try to curb any arrogance that you may have. You may think you know something, but you may not necessarily know how, uh, you know, there may, there's, as, as they say, there's, you know, many ways to do the same thing, right? So you may not necessarily know their way or their brand that, that they may perform that same task that you've done 15,000 times at a different company. Um, be open to learning a new method. It may be an easier method, um, or you may be able to show them an easier method, but if you don't know and you're not um, open to learning it, then I, I can't work with you because you're not exactly coachable, teachable, approachable, or willing to listen to anything that anybody else has to say. Definitely. I, I think you summed it up perfectly. Like that's, those are the things that, that managers are looking for in, in any viable candidate <laughs> across any role. Um, but Dominique, I would like to thank you for for you know taking the time to to speak with us and have you on the show. Um, and and yeah, so you know we're we're kind of coming up on our time, so I'm going to sign off. And you know, thank you to the audience. Um, you know, make sure you guys you know follow us on on all of our social media pages. Uh, so this way you guys know when the next episode's coming out. Um, yeah. Any anything you want to say, Dominic, to to close this out? Um be approachable, be coachable, and make sure that you keep your priorities in order. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> With that being said, we are signing off. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.